This episode of Two Girls, One Pup is brought to you by listeners like you who support independent artists. Visit our Patreon page to see how you too can support the show at patreon.com slash two girls, one pup show. Who's a good listener? That's right. You are. That's right. Good girl. Good boy. My guest today is Julie Seba, who is a journalist, but not just any journalist. She is a comedy journalist. She writes for LA Weekly, and her work has been seen in Rolling Stone, GQ, Variety, Spin. Basically, if you've done comedy, she's probably written about it. Beyond this, she is also a huge dog fan. She fosters dogs all the time. And today we're going to talk to her because it turns out Julie is a foster fail. We're going to hear all about her new dog, Petey. He's a cheagle. Oh my which God. means he is a, a beagle chihuahua. <laughs> his front half, like his shoulders are really wide and his butt is really tiny. <laughs> and he has like uh, like the little knobby knuckles of the chihuahua and kind of shakes, but then he's also like really vocal. So Coming up on this episode of Two Girls, One Pup. Two girls, one pup. Hey everyone, I'm your host Monique. And next to me, of course, is Comet the Pup, who is... Sound asleep. I'm sorry I'm boring you, dude. I'm excited to talk to Julie in just a moment, but first things first, let's get our jackets, and maybe you don't need a jacket. Maybe you live in L.A. like me, and you don't need a jacket, and lucky you, but you know what you do need? You need a poop bag. You gotta pick up some poop, hopefully of the dog kind. Let's go outside and meet some dogs in our neighborhood. So tell me why why Ketzel is uh, a bit of a dick. Well, she's a, she's a rescue, so her her situation is that she's imprinted on me, and she likes me a lot, but she hates the rest of the world, including Taya, my wife, so she can be difficult. What does she do with Taya? Um, she'll just do the thing where she asks to be pet, and when she does, her upper lip just goes up a little bit, and she starts, you know, like, growling. Has she bit her? Oh, yeah. She's bitten, she's bitten me. Look, she's in attack mode now. Yeah. Kettle. This do- don't don't get near the dog. Quetzal. Nope. She looks she looks innocent. Quetzal. And she is not. Does she live in our building? Mm-hmm. Oh, hi. No, no, they live up the street. Hey. Hey. Stop. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Settle. Settle. Sit. Sit your butt. Quetzal. Quetzal. Sit. She sounds so vicious. I know. She she really flips out. What makes you go? This dog's still worth it. Uh, nothing really, but so well, so like here, here's an example of how nuts she is. Why are you doing this? So like, if you ask her, you want to go outside. Like, what happens when you ask your man? You, you want to go outside? My man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go he, queen. <laughs> then he's like, yeah, he wants to go outside. Okay. So she hides, and if you try to get her out from underneath something, she bares her teeth. So what we've learned to do is, you get her in your lap, and then when you get her in your lap, see if I can even get her to do it. You say to her, "Do you want to go outside? Do you want to go outside?" You want to go outside? <laughs> she hates it. Oh my god, she sounds. I just want to pet her so bad I know, and I never can. <laughs> she's on her tip. She's really cute. She's really cute. Right now she's keyed up because she needs to go out. But so she'll say. She'll we say are no. out though. I know, but she wants to see how she's pulling. Yeah. But so you'll say, Do you want to go outside? And she'll ignore you. And the only way you know it's true that she really wants to go outside because she'll hide or she'll run away or she'll get violent is if she looks at you with those really sad eyes and then goes, that means yes. Like, leans on you? Yeah, she just tucks her head into your shoulder. That means yes. And that means yes, but you see how violent and defensive she is. She's worried that it's a trick. I wonder, what do you, because how, she's what, five pounds? No, she's, I think she's ten. Oh, okay. But she's like a small little chihuahua-ish She's a chihuahua dachshund, yeah. Oh, okay. So, what explains why she may be imprint on you, because dachshunds, like, often like like one. one person. And chihuahuas and dachshunds both love to bite. Yeah, not mine, but whatever. Was your part Doxy? Yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's What do you think her backstory is? Why do you think she's like this? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. They said, we got her in Chicago, and they said that most stray chihuahuas that are brought in are, like, escaped bait dogs. Oh. And they use that to explain why her tail is all janked, is that she was, it's like a pit bull fight trainer. Because <gasps> she's got clear issues about food. Like, when she has food, it's gone. And her whole day revolves around when do I get to eat next. And so, her tail's like a little weird hook thingy. It, it's like a real sharp fish hook. Um, and she's got really bad teeth. So it Aww. seems like she, when we got her, she was a year old and she'd already lost five teeth. Seems like it was a bad living environment. But so she's incredibly sweet to me. And it's going to kill me when, when she's no longer around. Because she all she wants to do is uh, sit on my lap and look deeply into my eyes. That's all she wants Aww. to do. 
And she, when we first got her, could not stop giving kisses. So you love her because nobody else will. Yeah, she's a real jerk. She's a real <laughs> jerk. And the only way we've found who someone who can babysit her is it's someone who just, she just doesn't care. She knows she's not going to have a good relationship with the dog, but she can keep her and everything will be okay if she leaves her alone. Wow. But she's not going to be nice. I mean, the woman walked the dog, walked Ketzel out to me when we last, you know, the last day to give her back. And she was still like snapping at her feet, her toes. Wow. She's well, a uh, I would pet your little monster, but it's I so not would it. like to keep my fingers. So, so not worth it. I'll shake your hand instead. Let's see what the dog does for that. Ketzel? Watch this. Ketzel? Oh. Okay, that's pretty good. She didn't bite me for no. you touching me. Okay. But if I hug my wife, it's game over. <laughs> All right. Uh, cautiously, I'm backing away, and goodbye. Interesting being on the other side. It's of, uh, right. Are you nervous being on this side of it? Um, not at this point. I don't think. I mean, like I did Keith and the girl like three or four years ago, which is like huge in New York. Oh, cool. I was pretty nervous for that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not at this. Doing gonna find out the yeah. real you. I just can't. I got nothing to hide. <laughs> Julie Siva. Thank you for being on the Two Girls, One Pup Pupcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I, I, I love the live show, so the uh, Pupcast is a uh, welcome extension of that. We, so have, was... we have a lot less dogs at the podcast. I sure. see one, uh, and uh, that's about it. That's so <laughs> there, there's no red carpet. There's no sketch artist. Well, uh, we normally have a red carpet, but that's just for, you know, Corey and I when we're just coming home from work. <laughs> Pose as you come in the door. Yeah. First thing is you became a foster fail recently. Yeah, I, let's see, I got back here to LA for the second time like two years ago uh, from New York, the fourth time I lived there. And I was living on uh, Kirsten Avenue in Doug Stanhope's old apartment. (laughs) And the downstairs neighbor had a chihuahua named Toby. And uh, the neighbor had a sound studio that he worked in long hours every day. So I would get to help watch Toby during the day. And then Toby died. And I missed him and missed, uh, you know, having the dog around. Little lap friend while you're working on your keyboard all day and take some of the stress away. And so I volunteered for a group called Kenmar Rescue in 2014 and had uh, four fosters then. And then last year, I started volunteering for uh, Go Dog LA. It's downtown off the 10. Okay. And on my third one with them, I got a fella named Petey and <laughs> had a <laughs> bit he of just- attachment with him. And uh, my man friend decided he wanted to adopt Petey. So you adopted together? I am legally, legally not his owner, but uh, I do carry my share of the weight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which uh, is not a lot of weight because he's a tiny dog. He's like 14 pounds. Oh, really? Um, Is that big? Yeah. He's a cheagle. Oh my God. Which means he is a a beagle chihuahua. (laughs) His front half, like his shoulders are really wide and his butt is really tiny. (laughs) And he has like uh, like the little knobby knuckles of the chihuahua and kind of shakes. But then he's also like really vocal. So he'll right. like constantly all day long. <laughs> and he's kind of stupid, but he's very sweet. And uh, Wait, you're talking about the man <laughs> friend or the dog dog? Oh, it's applicable uh, to both. Yeah. It's yeah, across yeah. the board. You know, that big <laughs> chest makes it really hard to find dog clothes. I don't know if you have found that as a problem. I Yeah, we went to Petco and first a harness. Like it's kind of floppy on the front, but yeah. then tighter in the back because it's like for medium dogs so it doesn't fit the back and then like we got some like when all the star wars stuff was on sale yeah uh we had to get like the medium r2d2 shirt but like a small hat and he's just (laughs) you you had to was the words there that i'm clinging to you had to yeah well it was between that and like princess leia or chewy's chewbacca's little cliche yeah yeah and also like really do you want to put put a fur coat on your dog's fur coat it feels like a bit much, I think. Yeah. And all his stuff is like blue. Anyway, he has a blue collar, has whales on it uh, for being at the beach. And so the R2-D2, like the blue buttons kind of matched him. Aww. Matched his, uh, his branding. <laughs> <laughs> so that's seven fosters that I'm counting? Yeah. What kind uh-huh. of, dif- what were your experiences? Because I tell everyone that I really think people should foster. It's the mm-hmm. best way to find out if 
the dog is a right fit for you. Not to mm-hmm. mention all the good things it does for the dogs and the shelter. And yeah. So what were your experiences with the different dogs? Um, well, I kind of got into it a little differently because I didn't necessarily want a full-time dog back at that point. And it was kind of like in Toby's honor. And Aww. so I wanted to kind of help, like, I specifically wanted to help dogs, like, find homes. And I didn't have to be responsible for them forever because yeah. I do still travel quite a bit for comedy to festivals and you know stuff like that so once I finally you know took the plunge because it took me a couple months to like I don't know do I have the time commitment do I can I yeah um but it became just like something I wanted to keep doing and keep doing because whenever they got adopted like there's a moment of sadness where you really wish you could like communicate with them yeah and be like i'm glad i could help you and now here's the rest of your happy life but they're sad and you can't really tell them it's okay but i'm not abandoning you yeah Yeah, they don't know sure um and then when you come home for the first time like and it's empty it's just oh my god that's the worst but yeah like knowing they're all happy and both of the foster organizations are really good about like staying in touch with the people who adopt the dogs so you'll see like the pictures of them running in the park and under blankets and being happy and they have longer hair now and they have more <laughs> toys and it's yeah it, or yeah they, yeah what's the did you ever have one that was like oh my god this dog's a nightmare <laughs> oh uh, not mm, nightmares per se. There were a couple of them, like two of them, I think in particular, who were kind of sick mm. and they had to be nursed back a bit. Uh, like one of them, Mason, he had like such bad kennel cough for like oh. three weeks and he was hacking up green phlegm and getting it everywhere. And don't tell my, uh, old, uh, old subletter, uh, Hooper, <laughs> I was subletting it apart right now. There's a bit of Mason funk in that one. But, uh, (laughs) I mean, that stuff's not as bad, you know, as, like, behavioral issues if they're just, like, too scared to do anything. Yeah. And they have trust issues, which I never had terrible, terrible luck with. I know it can be out there, but, um, yeah, there was nothing really horrible about any of it. I think the worst part was, like, just the never knowing like you would have a dog and you would maybe have it for like four months until somebody adopted it or I'd have it for like two weeks and it could be any second you get the call and they're gone oh you don't get your final goodbye dinner yeah I mean some of them you get to like arrange to meet the foster or the uh the adoptees and do you get any say in it can you be like I do not trust these people they don't look like uh I do but the organizations are always really good about uh kind of weeding out oh, good. everybody who they don't think would be appropriate before it gets to you. So by the time like you get to go see what the dog will live, you're like rooting for it to happen. <laughs> and it would just have to be some, you know, I don't know, fluke occurrence that happened whenever the interview was happening oh, gotcha. for the person to not have the dog. So were, yeah. were they different? Like, were they about the same size? Or did you have all sorts of different kinds of dogs? Because oh, it seems like you would probably learn a lot about breeds based on that's seven yeah. different dogs. There is a, a terrier I had uh, from Germany who I'd never heard of this terrier breed before. Had like an underbite. Uh, Wait, this dog <laughs> was from Germany or the terrier is the from Germany? The terrier breed. Okay, okay. Some German terrier, something uh, dark. I can't even remember it now. It was like that uncommon. Uh, it was like 12 pounds. The next one I had was like 25. Molly, who you met at oh, yeah. uh, two, two Girls, One Pup, was a four and a half pound chihuahua. Maybe that's who I'm thinking besides <laughs> Petey. Because I was picturing a teeny tiny dog. She was the littlest for sure. Like I could pick her up in one hand. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, that, that's maybe a little tiny. Uh, <laughs> I'd be afraid I'd squish it. Yeah, Petey's like three times her size. Uh, and in between both of those, I had Mason, who was the sick one, mm. who I nursed back. Those were the, the three recent ones. That's kind of satisfying, yeah. though, to, to, to bring life, to <laughs> heal a dog. Yeah, and as I've had Petey, like, I started kind of understanding a little bit more about why I was so hesitant about adopting at the beginning, because... Like, when you're fostering, the goal is to have them adopted and be happy. But I now know that, like, with Petey, 
sometime it's gonna be over and I'm oh. gonna be really sad and I kind of wanted to avoid that while helping dogs in the first place. That's a but, great point. Yeah. yeah. I worry about that all the time with Comet. Yeah. How old is Petey? Uh, I think about two or three. Okay, you got a yeah. long time. Comet's nine. Oh, man. I know. And he looks so young for his age. He really does. Yes. Well, tell me. He's gotten some work <laughs> it's done. the wardrobe. Exactly. Now, did yeah. you grow up with dogs? I grew up on a farm in Missouri. Oh, yeah. What uh, town in Missouri? Because I'm from Missouri. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I was born did in... Did we know this? I don't think so. I think oh, I knew this God. when I was doing some research on you. Oh, I God. was born in Denver, but I grew up in Independence, Missouri. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm from outside Cape Girardeau. Okay. Okay. Home of Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to school in Jackson, and technically the farm was outside the city limits of Gordonville, Missouri, population 217. And being a farm, had like cows and some rabbits and fishing ponds and corn and soybeans, so you could have a dog. We had uh, Missy, who was a German shepherd when I was little, little. I only like barely remember her. And then we had a black lab named Dixie who was around for all my childhood and kind of passed when I was in college, finally. Um, And then I never really had anybody until, you know, Toby and Asterix. Wow. be the next after that. That's a long time then from, like, childhood to nothing. Yeah. (laughs) 77 years. (laughs) Y'all so old. Um. Well, there was definitely a lot of, like... You know, being a journalist, especially dedicating myself to freelance, means I wanted to make sure I was going to be open for anything, anytime, and jumping around from city to city, which I did, and I kind of knew that was not the appropriate situation for a dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, now that I'm, I believe, permanently (laughs) in L.A., uh, yeah, I can kind of take the time to, yeah, I can do this dog thing in my life and pick and choose the exact festivals as long as right. it's covered for him to have somebody around. And Or you can bring your dog, you can bring him to the show or the festival. <laughs> <laughs> There's not as many uh, dog-friendly shows as there should be. Right? We're LA. Working. We're working on it. So let me ask you, well, tell me too, how did you always want to be a journalist? Did you, we'll, we'll go off par a little bit here on the, the dog <laughs> stuff. I'll find um, a way to loop it. I was always into reading when I was little, uh, doing all the book it pizza stuff and all those Pride Oh yeah, group, with Pizza uh, Hut. Oh yeah, that's a great <laughs> motivator for reading. Come on. Pizza? I would do that. You don't know that, Sammy? Sammy uh, is trying to eat a thousand pieces of pizza this year. Oh, you should be a grade schooler and uh, read, and you'll get it for free. Yeah, every time you read, you get a you get a little coupon. Every book you read was it one book or maybe? I remember there was a button, a round button that you would pin on your shirt or jacket or whatever, and you got little star stickers <laughs> that would adorn the top half of this book it pizza button. And you would, I think, collect six stars, maybe one for every book. Yeah, and then something got, like that. I think I remember this way too well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like always reading and kind of started getting into writing around like junior high and wanted to write in some form. And then when I realized like journalism kind of took you places, like say out of Missouri. <laughs> Go or to New York or Hollywood and you could see what was going on behind the scenes and that kind of stuff. Uh, I liked that. And in college I was doing, um, I was the film editor for the weekly magazine and doing some music stuff. And then senior year, Dave Attell came to town and I saw his show and some of us took him out to the journalism bar, uh, the journalism school bar across the street afterwards. And he got us really drunk <laughs> on Jägermeister. Um, this was like the height of insomniac. So like the entire bar was sending him shots. Dave, oh, yeah, yeah, I got yeah, of course. And I woke up uh, on my friend Dan's bathroom floor the next morning vomiting. <laughs> and I was like, I like comedy now. I'm going to... Uh, that actually <laughs> sounds 100%... That sounds exactly <laughs> the right path. Yeah, there's something about, I mean, especially at that time, uh, no one was really writing about comedy at all. Oh, interesting. And I had already sort of realized that music was kind of bullshitty and, you know, driven by all this machinery and promotion and blah, blah, blah. 
and they didn't need me. I wasn't cool enough to be in music, <laughs> but comedy, I was like totally not cool enough right, to be right, covering right. comedy. And did you ever want to perform? Not really. I did like a couple school plays, but uh, it was just writing. Like That's I was great. like writing was first. And then with comedy, I found out what I wanted to write about. Yeah. I figured out the exact channel. So it wasn't like I, you know, a lot of people now are like, I like comedy. I want to do something in it, whether it's performing or producing or writing. And uh, yeah, I was had a very clear vision. That's nice, from, though, to yeah. know exactly what you want. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know, my particular vision is always like, I do want to do freelance. I don't want to do what anybody else wants me to do you can't tell me what to do I'm my own person right right uh which means there's no money there's no certainty (laughs) especially now after uh you know like the 2008 crash when journalism kind of you know shed the toilet yeah and is uh maybe rebounding we don't know we'll see probably not and uh, with blogging and podcasts. Yeah, and, and anybody can do it. Yeah, and, and all these comedians who are, quote unquote, covering comedy, which you can oh, kiss my hand. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a really uh, uncertain field and time. And uh, so there are those sort of disadvantages. But like knowing who I am and what I want to do and having done everything I've done so far, like people kind of know who I am. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And no one else in the country is freelancing like full-time comedy journalism. I am like the only person. Well, let me ask, let's, so that had to be a hard path anyways. It obviously is. And I'm sure through all these years, you've, I hate talking about this. (laughs) I really do. Through all these years, I'm sure you've talked about like, women in comedy and that whole oh boy blah, 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 blah. again i i don't want to talk about it too much because i don't like because it's like let's just fucking do it instead of talk about it yeah but mm-hmm. being on the other side of it i mean did you do you face discrimination as a woman in journalism and in comedy specifically like oh you don't know what's funny because you're a woman or or yeah. you know the kind of the opposite of what or the other side of what we would probably experience yeah i always got more uh, whose girlfriend are you? Ugh. Like, I would go to a show. I, I'd like to go to them by myself, uh, you know, because I'm working. I'm not socializing. Um, and I would always, you know, go to the door. Hey, I'm on the list. Blah, blah. Oh, whose girlfriend are you? Who are you? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm here to write for Variety. Uh, I don't know who's the girlfriend. Yeah. Right, right. I'm, uh, I'm here at uh, Festival Supreme on behalf of Rolling Stone, so I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm my own girlfriend, bitch. <laughs> yeah. And it was never... Uh, kind of like what you were saying. I never really thought about it too much because I don't know what it's like on the other side. I'm just doing what I do. Right. And whether people are thinking it's, you know, whatever I'm doing is gender-based, I don't know. That's in their heads. I just know what I'm trying to do from my perspective. It doesn't matter I'm female or not. Yeah. Uh, I just think things are funny or other things are not funny. And that's kind of where it begins and ends. So do you, at this point, what still makes you laugh? Because you see so much comedy. At what point are you just jaded? And do you really, can you really get into a show and laugh? Or are you more just like, Hmm, that was funny. <laughs> I get that's clever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hate to say it. It's a little bit the latter. Uh, Would have to be. Yeah, but it's like, you know, it's the same thing with comedians. You do see a lot and you're like, oh, I see what you did there. That's a good, that's clever. I mean, I will definitely laugh at things that take me completely by surprise, which I guess, you know, is a, sort of a definition of comedy in the first place. Right. The unexpected. Um, so still people, I mean, Ian Abramson right now. Oh, I love him. You know, I will crack up at everything he does. John Doerr, I saw like a couple nights ago, that is the funniest man in LA. Like he just breathes funny because it just comes out of whatever their natural yeah. synapses are firing in the moment. And it's authentic and it's not something that, you know, I mean, I, I love a good craft joke as much as anybody else. But you can tell when, you know, things have been worked on and polished to the point where, uh, you know, it's not necessarily in the moment anymore. Mm, sure. And 
at that point, it's kind of a craft that you're seeing unfold on stage. You know, they're they're practicing their job. Uh, and then at other points in time, like if something happens during your show and you're reacting and you get the crowd going and it's something that's only happening in this one moment, it's never going to happen again. Like, that's the best comedy ever. Yeah, yeah. And there are some people who are excel at that even more so yeah for yeah. sure well bringing it back to dogs so you <laughs> go to all these festivals you meet all these comedians how many of these dog or how many of these comedians have you also met their dogs oh geez comedian dogs comedian dogs. and who are your favorites and who are your least favorite and what's all <laughs> the drama between all the dogs uh let's see i know uh i know doug stanhope's dogs ichabod and henry phillips Good uh henry phillips is a girl dog named after the comedian henry phillips <laughs> i love that who is a boy um <laughs> uh, Let's see. Who else? Comedian dog. I mean, you don't really take your dogs at festivals that much, do you? Maybe not festivals. Mm. Um, I, I know mean, I, I know more like, I think kind of like producer and booker's dogs, maybe. Uh, like Charlie Sotelo at South by Southwest, his dog Sam uh, is, has been a... <laughs> it, a uh, has been around LA a lot. I know it's been a, like Runyon and stuff like that. Um... There's a oh did I meet Paul's I met Paul's pug didn't I uh or uh, Alex Alex Hooper uh, oh yeah, yeah Alex Hooper's pug Paul Ho Paul Hooper is in New York okay yeah uh, well, Alex, Alex Hooper, Hooper has, is in L A he has two pugs now mm. he got a second one from Korea named Kim Chi they were both just at the show this last like month a Chinese baby I guess is it I think it's Korea that they apparently. <laughs> People don't want these pugs. So there's pug rescue groups. And he's like, I guess that means they're just pugs running around Korea everywhere. It's like that island of cats in Japan. Right. Is it Japan? Something like that. Or Florida? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, uh, I can think of. It's funny. Now that I'm really thinking about this, I can think of all these dogs and not. Uh, I can picture them and I am forgetting all the names of all their owners. Well, that happens all the time. Well, that's the most important one of the two. I think that's... All right. You don't have to know. I didn't know if you knew some, some dog celebrities, but... I'm, I'm going to think of, like, so many afterwards. Only human celebrities. Fine. Have you had a stressful ball-chasing week? What you need is a massage. Luckily, we've partnered with Dancing Dog Massage. That's right. There is such a thing as a canine masseuse. Because it's Los Angeles. Of course there is. Jean from Dancing Dog Massage is a certified canine massage therapist and truly knows what it takes to make you feel loved, pampered, and improve your quality of life. Canine massages are known for improving blood circulation, reducing stress, arthritis pain, and stiffness. Besides, you deserve it. You're a hardworking dog. Check them out at dancingdogmassage.com or better yet, have your human do it because you're a dog and typing with your paws is hard. Mention our podcast on the intake form to receive a $10 discount on your session. Dancing Dog Massage does not guarantee that your dog will be able to dance, unless it's a trained dancer. Happy endings are not included with the massage. Because, ew. Unless by happy ending you mean a happy wagging tail. Then yes, they are included. Dancing Dog Massage. Your dog will feel like a puppy again. Have you covered <laughs> other, besides Two Girls on Pup, which is technically the comedy side, have you ever covered dog events? No. No, I think at this point, and I'm, you know, again, it's only been like now two and a half years that I've been back into dogs again. Um, that the dog side of it is kind of a personal, okay, domestic, like this is a thing that keeps me calm when I have to deal with the stresses of comedy. Yeah. So I want to divide those. I should have done that. <laughs> I when when people ask what my you know, what do you do for fun? They're all the same. I don't know how to divide them up is the problem. So you're you're probably really being smart for that. Yeah, and I always I my answer to that question is the same. It's I watch comedy and write about comedy for fun what do you do for work i watch comedy and write about comedy for work <laughs> what <do> you <laughs> right right i do nothing else walk pd now and maybe watch chopped every now and then i think oh is, chopped is good my, one yeah. okay yeah. where the name where the name pd come from he came with it see so, so did yeah. comments so mm -hmm. i kind of feel weird about it but i'm also like well 
Yeah. Like the other foster, like Molly, uh, all my fosters, we kind of tacked on additional names to them. Like Molly was Molly Monkey Bug. Good name. Mason was uh, Mason Biscuit Possum. <laughs> <laughs> to give them a little more, you know, put our own spin on it or whatever. <laughs> Uh, Petey, uh, is now, uh, Peter Thomas Cheagle Seabaugh. Wow. <laughs> very, uh, very regal sounding. Very important sounding, I should He's say. He's a regal Cheagle. He's a, yeah. Uh, so, there wasn't really any discussion of changing his name, I think, because he had, like, the sob story of, like, he was found on the street in, uh, what the hell? Can't remember the town. Bad place. But um, here in California. Yeah. Some outskirts of L.A. Uh, place. And uh, the shelter that found him called the owner that was listed on his chip. And the owner said he didn't want him. Oh, no. So then, yeah. Well, what's his personality like? Why would a owner not want him? Is there anything? Um, I mean, at this point, he's... He was kind of fearful, and he's getting over that. But you know, if you have a bad owner, yeah, you'll probably be a little fearful. He does the you know kind of cowering and rolling over on his back to expose his belly. Yeah. Uh, he'll do like fear biting sometimes if like someone grabs him too quickly or right. Uh, Which yeah, is bad. Like, being that's you just don't do that to dogs. You don't know you're a dog, so you can't go snatching him. Yeah, and he's kind of a littler guy, and. You know, he hangs out mostly with bigger dogs, so you never know what's coming up behind you. So he'll kind of, oh, uh, which, you know, he can kind of talk up a little bit to the chihuahua side of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite thing he does? Uh, He doesn't understand balls. Like, he won't chase and <laughs> fetch them, but he'll do that for stuffed animals. Really? So you <laughs> throw a stuffed animal down the hall and he'll run and bring it back and he's so excited and he looks at a ball like, uh, what do you, what? I don't know what this uh, what, is. That's... What are you talking about? <laughs> that's not a cute stuffed animal. <laughs> that's a weird looking one. But yeah, he's just such a like, dogs love balls. What are you talking about? <laughs> nope. Only squeaky like pink bears and little gray rabbits and... Does he destroy yeah. them? Because Comet with a squeaky toy will shred it. He's uh, gotten the noses off of a couple toys. Uh, nothing too big. He mostly chewed up like uh, his little round bed stuffed with uh, okay. a bunch of fuzz. And he'll every now and then uh, get into the holes that he's made and pull it out and fling it all over the room. So there's like <laughs> bed fuzzies all over the place. Sure. Well, yeah. what do you think too? Like, it sounds like you, you have a healthy relationship with your dog unlike <laughs> some people i know but th did you embrace dog ownership big time or are you just like yeah i mean it's an animal that i it was like a natural progression i think for me like once i really understood how they can calm you down yeah it's like a tool in a way yeah of like hmm uh zoloft or dog yeah hmm. Uh, and they're fuzzy and you can like curl up with them and they love you. And when you come home, it's like the best the family. Best. I know. <laughs> That's just, I mean, is that not to get too personal, but is that something that you deal with is like crazy anxiety and things that. Yeah. Um, I mean, going back to the journalism thing, it's pretty stressful and, uh, how so? Like, I mean, the finances and uncertainty and chasing down every lead, every second of every day to keep going and, you know, just to stay on the treadmill. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Um, yeah. So I, I started getting a, a lot more kind of anxiety issues in my 20s and 30s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I'm firmly ensconced in. Uh, <laughs> so when you kind of see, like, in real time how they will change your mood, yeah. like, you'll be pissed off about some publicist or something. And Ooh, which one? No, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, I love you all, publicists. Uh, yeah, it just becomes like a health. It's like going to the emotional gym or something yeah. in a lot of ways. Like you kind of need it now. Absolutely. To, like You like rely on the uh, unconditional. Well, and if nothing else, it makes you just stop and pay attention to one thing that's not work. Yeah, and you take out for a walk, take a break, yeah. get away from the computer for 10, 15 minutes or whatever. 
focus on this little guy's needs, get out of your head. What does he need? Is he still alive? Is he breathing? Does he need more toys? Is he going to learn how to sit ever? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I also like the part of just, I really feel joy when he's happy. Yeah. Like, you're a good parent. Yeah. Like, if if I might not be making myself happy all the time, but at least (laughs) I could make... This thing happy. That's, that's one thing I've done for today. That's how, how did Petey like Two Girls, One Pop, most importantly? Uh, he, he's always really uh, good with, like, groups that are, like, chill. So the parts of Two Girls, One One sitting there and listening, and he'll, like, cock his ears, and what are you talking about? <laughs> it's dog humor. But then, like, when everybody starts, like, getting riled up, and he's like, oh, God, I got he's hiding under a chair. And- <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Yeah, half of our yeah. audience does hide under a chair. That mm-hmm. is something about the show that's different than yeah. a lot of other shows. But that's fun. Like, <laughs> that's what I like about the show. It's like, you know, there's like there's a great vibe of, and I've written about this in LA Weekly before. Uh, check it out on a newsstand near you. Uh, <laughs> th- like, the people who come there, like, know what they're getting into. And it's not like a too cool for school yeah. show. And everybody has to, like you know, kill and just be on all the time. Like, it's a fun, it's like a group gathering. Yeah. That just happens to have a comedy bent, like for the dogs. <laughs> so there's like a lot less pressure. Because you can't have, it's not that you can't kill, but the lights are all up. It's in a pet store and dogs are barking in yeah. the middle of your set. So you have to get over the <laughs> idea of having an amazing... I, I, it used to bother me for a while where I'd be like, I am such a better comedian than this. Why is it? And then it finally hit me. like, Because well, we're looking at each other's dogs and smiling. Like, hi, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. oh yes, there's comedy. Yeah, <laughs> that's very funny. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you can't. It's, it's, yeah, an event is the correct way of putting it, I yeah. think. But it's always good when the comics, you know, kind of understand that and adjust and like play with it accordingly like the my favorite one i always saw was justin willman when he like made those uh bagan strips like appear in a puff of smoke from <sighs> under the tray or if i'm remembering it correctly you're 100 <laughs> remembering like, it correctly that made me laugh so <laughs> i was like, like a this little... guy gets this show <laughs> yeah like, this is what <laughs> i was a little kid like clapping my hands and squealing <laughs> over he's coming back for the two-year anniversary actually oh, i'm great. so excited and then and all the dogs were like freaking out <laughs> Like, wait, there was not begging strips here, and now he's a real magician. This is the best show ever. Let's come back all the time. Yeah. I, the dogs are definitely into it, for sure. <laughs> Julie, what's something that would surprise people about you? Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, oh, there's so many areas that that could cover. <laughs> hmm. Does chop count? I said chopped earlier. No. Nope. You did say that, too. Uh, that doesn't count. Uh, surprise. Ooh, I might have to pa- pass. Come back. Okay, we'll come back. Let lightning me ask, round. Let me ask you this. We do have a lightning round coming up in just a moment. It's called Off the Leash, but we'll get to that in a moment. Do you... So you... I've never seen Avatar and have no plans to do so. Oh, we have something in common. <laughs> I don't need to see that. That was like everywhere for a while. I get it. I don't Isn't know. it like 16 hours long too? Like I don't I have, have that time. I got I to work. I don't yeah, have time. Yeah, you can't. You can't walk away <laughs> from your phone for that long. No way. Are there any things that you don't like to cover? Com- I guess comedy related since that's your focus. Uh, it's less don't like to cover and more uh, gravitating towards what I really do like to. Uh, like in my gut. Which and is on a creative level. Like, um, I'm always all about stand up and have not quite so much interest in like sketch or improv. Because um, <clears throat> I feel that that kind of stuff can get covered a little bit more easily on the TV side of journalism. Mm. Uh, you know, UCB stuff is in entertainment press all the time, as, as one example. Uh, but you don't see like. Uh, you know, at the time, which was my thought process uh, back in college, like, who's, why is no one covering Dave Attell? Like, he's genius. Right. Uh, I want to cover the things that you should know about in stand-up before they get to the national level of falling under, like, the TV or film banner. What do you think your biggest scoop was that you brought forth? Ooh, let's see. Scoops, scoops, scoops. Uh, this is uh, this is probably way too dated. Uh, but <laughs> they, 
second season of Last Comic Standing. That's way a long time ago. Uh, there was a bit of controversy uh, when Drew Carey and Brett Butler were the judges and who they wanted to advance were not the people who got advanced. And there was this uh, uproar over, oh, you mean the producers are choosing the comedians? Uh, oh. I, I wrote about that quite uh, to an extent because I was living in Vegas at the time and it happened in Vegas. And it really doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, but there are kind of uh, uh, things that I've been like in the right place at the right time for. Like I put Amy Schumer on the cover of Variety two years ago. Oh, cool. Like, you know, she's going to pop. It's a matter of time. So let's do this now. What made you or- think that, though? Is, is it just your gut or what's your... What makes you go, this is a really good show or this is a really good comedian? How do you know that? Uh, part of it is the surprise, the uniqueness, uh, the, the like the personal place that a lot of people are coming from. Like I put Bridget Everett on the cover of the Village Voice for her first magazine cover ever. Nice. Like the month before her uh, new show debuted in New York, which was the show that kind of Started putting her on the map, and then she did the Amy Schumer Comedy Central stuff, and then she's been on tour, and she's done all the festivals, and uh, yeah, they're just kind of like these surges of, you know, you, you detect the the waves of like this comic is hot, but when are they going to pop, or who's going to make them pop, and under what format and avenue, and you can just kind of tell even a little bit before it gets to that level. Yeah. Uh, like Michael Che again, like another Village Voice cover before he started doing, uh, let's see, was he writing it? He was writing at SNL, uh, it was before he got the Daily Show gig. Okay. Which was before he went back to SNL again. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> but like, that's the sweet spot for me. Like, hey, something really cool is about to happen with this person and I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, and then once everybody else finds out and loves him, like I lose all interest. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. He's like the chase. Do you have that kind of good instincts with dogs where you can be like, this is a good dog. Oh, no, that dog's a shit dog. This one's Ooh. gonna be adopted <laughs> at any moment. I can feel it. I'm going to put it on the cover of Bitch Magazine. Ha. Oh, I should. That's a good idea. I should start trying to pitch them. There we go. Um, right. I, they're all, all dogs are kind of good, aren't they? Uh, to some extent. I mean, the, you know, they're in their hearts, they are. Yeah, they can't necessarily always help what people have yeah. done to them. You know, they, 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 I have to believe that they want to be good. They want to be, <laughs> you know, but you could say that about a, a loving comedian. Home and the, yeah. I, I don't think any comedian's <laughs> like, I'm fine being me- mediocre. Well, I don't know. I I could uh, name it a different part. Well, unless they're already (laughs) making their monies, then maybe they don't give a shit. But yes. Well, I mean, there's some people who are using commies as stepping stone to something else. And it's a kind of bigger. I want to do everything and maybe explore a comedy to get to this. Meanwhile, when there's people like, you know, who are living and dying to get on the stage and can use the stage time that you're not all that passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. there, yeah, that's just a, uh, that's part of the business, especially like in Hollywood, you know, you can be funny enough to be like castable or funny enough to be, you know, writing on a show or like the wacky neighbor or whatever, <laughs> and then kind of put stand up on the back burner and not like evolve. Mm. But, you know, again, that's not something that I'm necessarily drawn to. Yeah. Covering per se. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, it's time for that rapid fire we talked about. Oh, I forgot to be thinking about my... No, you don't have to think of that one. It's a new one. It's a new one. All right. I'm going to count your avatar as an answer. It's a (laughs) cop-out answer, but we'll take it. Uh, I need to narrow it down. Well, what's something... Ooh, narrow it down. Let me think. Well, I did mention Rush Limbaugh earlier, uh, Cape Girardeau. I am related to Rush Limbaugh. My mother's cousin is his niece. How about that? Whoa. Does that work? Yeah. Have you met him? Uh, I think, like, I don't go to family reunions anymore. I don't go to Missouri anymore. But uh, I recall, like, there were some hubbubs, like, oh, he's over in that court me when I was, like, four or five Wait, or something. Wait, he went to his family reunion? I, it was not, uh, I, I think it was just, like, putting in an appearance. That's so weird. Uh, I, I, maybe not. It just doesn't seem like he'd be the kind of guy that was in the. Maybe there's not that much to do in Missouri. Maybe you need to <laughs> definitely not. 
But I, I do kind of remember, like, there was a... I don't remember what he would have looked like, or, but there was, like, a corner. Oh, he's over there in those people. And I was very young. And But is your yeah. family... Are they into Rush Limbaugh? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 My, my family is uh, Republican, conservative, Missouri. I get it. Uh... <laughs> I live in L.A. now. Yeah. That's all that needs <laughs> to be said on that. We understand that. All right. That's a great yeah. one. That's a really great one to... Wait. Seba, Rush Limbaugh. Maybe there's a... Connection. Yeah. They're all German somewhere back <laughs> okay. there. I don't, I don't... I was trying to make a bigger connection than it probably was. I, but there, that is like probably a true connection back there somewhere, but I've never bothered. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. he changed it because... We don't need to offend your family. I'm just saying maybe he changed it for some dumb reason because that's whatever. Anyways, Julie, we're going to play a game. Yes. This is categories. Categories. We're going to play Monopoly. So if you have a couple hours. Oh, you sank my battleship. Great. Do you know how to play? All right. This game is called Off the Leash. You have to answer these questions without pausing. Oh, I get it. Get it? I get it. All right. This is some of that amazing comedy you write about all the time. What is your favorite dog movie? Uh, oh, what was the Oliver Twist one with the dog? But it was like animated, and there was like the people were like bums. Uh, Oliver, the, the Oliver. cat, Oliver, Oliver and company. company. Oliver and company. Oliver was the cat, and like Dodger was a dog, and there was like a Chihuahua named Tito. Oh yeah, and a poodle named. Georgette, Georgina? Yes. Is this one that you can't keep a good dog down? Who might have been no. played by Bette Midler or something? Ooh. I don't know. Maybe. I don't. We'll have to find this out. We'll... That's totally my favorite dog movie, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you are the first one to say that of anyone who's played off the leash. Well, I remember that uh, me and my brother saw it as kids, and then we had like all these stuffed animals. Like a lot of them were dogs, and then we like turned them into the characters. Winston was like a uh, an English bulldog, right? Winston the Oh, that sounds right. Right. That sounds right. So I, I remember more of our stuffed animals became those characters in our <laughs> imagination than the actual movie itself. Those might have been like <laughs> toys at Pizza Hut. Oh, see, it's all coming full like circle. Like around it's yeah. the same time that um dinosaur not dinosaurs, what is it called? The Lamb Before, Lamb Before Time. <laughs> I had all those puppets from there. Sarah, the Triceratops. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Off the leash. What's your favorite dog breed? Breed. Ooh. Ooh. I got to say Black Lab. Oh, Because that? that was, you know, my childhood growing up, and, and she was uh, very formative in my uh, dog years of, of uh, understanding how to take care of dogs and how nice they are. Oh. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Which do you like more and why? Dogs or comedy? You could only have one. Ooh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> Whatever happens, it sticks with the universe. All and that's dogs. It. And di- <laughs> I'd probably have to say comedy, actually. Because uh, it is my life and everything I love and do 20, we'll call it 20, 18 hours a day. Uh, we'll call it 17 because the other hours is spent walking Petey around. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's kind of my reason for existing, whereas dogs don't really need, need me to be existing. Uh, the, <laughs> like, dogs are fine without me necessarily, like, helping them, but I feel like I like helping comedy in, in, a, in a way that only I can. Yeah. Does that make any sense at all? Sure. Like, I, I, I do something very specific for comedy, which I don't necessarily do for dogs in general. Right. And also, if you, to go into a weird loophole here, <laughs> if comedy didn't exist, dogs would not be as great because part of what's great about dogs is how funny they are. So, oh, man. Then you'd have a really good cuddly dog, but you could also get that with a stuffed animal. It's not exactly mm. the same. Yeah, I mean, if we throw in, like, nachos into this mix, we're going to be talking about, like, alternate realities. Well, I'm telling, no, that's yeah. what this show is. All along, yeah. you've been on a show called, <laughs> I don't know what this show's called. All right. I would like you now. I might change that answer later. Okay, that's fair. Nope, too late. <laughs> it's it forever. I'd like you to do a review 
as if you were writing for Rolling Stone or or <laughs> LA Weekly, and I want you to review the animal called a dog, which I have never seen of or heard of. You're going to bring this new thing into the public <laughs> called a dog. Uh, let's see. Let me think of a. Let me think of a. We'll, we'll call it the Village Voice. Cover cover the Village Voice. Dog exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I'm a journalist because uh, when you when you have a keyboard in front of you, you edit. Uh, Fair. Wh- who was it that Hemingway or, or all the greats? You know, the writing is editing. All you do is edit. That is writing. Uh, so this is gonna be just you know. I thought you were gonna do with the, the right drunk edit sober one, which is how oh, I tend to go. Yeah. That's the way I write. But mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're cliches for a reason. <laughs> they're, uh, let's see. <clears throat> Dogs, exclamation mark. We've got that. Let's see. Yes. I always like to start with a little context. So, uh, we'd probably start to tracing the history back of cats, uh, to the Egyptian times. Kind of trace cats over the years. Uh, and then in the, let's call it the eighties, the eighties boom of dogs. <laughs> Am I getting that mixed up with comedy? Sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> when dogs started appearing everywhere, like on A&E's Night at the Improv. Nope, that's comedy. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was a, a, a new wave of pet talent uh, springing up from the, uh, the mean streets. Are dogs from the streets? They're from caves. They're <laughs> uh, that... Uh, you, do you do you like cats? <laughs> You'll love dogs. They're like cats, but nicer, and they uh, they uh, they have a bit more. Uh, there's a bit more heart. There's a bit more authenticity there. You can tell that they came from somewhere and they're going somewhere, and they would like to take you along for that ride and change you in the process. Whereas, uh, you know, cats just like sit there and chill. So it's a uh, cat 2.0, uh, something uh, that should be on your radar. Ooh. You heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> Straight from the mouths of Julie Seabod. Dogs taking over. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that. That'll be perfect. perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, this is fun. Thank this you. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the next two girls, one pup yeah. show again soon. Can't wait to see Petey there. Oh, definitely, for sure. He'll be wearing his R2D2 shirt. Yes, please. <laughs> Find out what Julie's up to at juliecebaugh.com or follow her on Twitter at juliecebaugh. She's always writing about something cool. You can find out all the great things to do in L.A., anything regarding the comedy. What do you know? Maybe she'll talk a little bit about Two Girls, One Pup. We also have a website, which you probably know by now. It's twogirlsonepupshow.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Two Girls One Pup Show and on Facebook at Two Girls One Pup. The Two Girls One Pup Pupcast is produced by myself and Sammy Junio and is part of the Hello Lion Face Podcast Network. Our segment producer and Mr. Googler is Corey Rittmaster. Theme music by Tara Trudell with graphics and podcast logo design by Heather Hanford. Check out twogirlsonepupshow.com, that's the number two and the number one, to find out about live shows, links to photos, merchandise, and how you can support us. One way to support us is to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Stitcher. It really does make a difference and helps spreading the word about us. The opinions of this podcast are not necessarily those of Comet the Pup, who is a dog and doesn't have opinions on podcasts, only on food and butt sniffing. 